ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are Joey Barton's Worst Nightmare, a bunch of women talking about football. But we can't wait to crack into what is a very big episode about lots and lots of A-League women's goodness. Before we begin, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, pay our respects to their elders past and present. You've got a very Victorian lineup today. It's me, Marissa Lodanik, Angela Christian-Wilkes and Anna Harrington. So, friendos. Let us begin with some you love to see. It's because there were lots of things we love to see. Harrow, what did you love to see to kick us off today? I love to see uh, Korea Okino's equaliser for Melbourne Victory against Wellington, which is a super fun game. We'll talk about it. Um, but, yeah, it was a belt. She scored her first goal last round, um, but this one was super. Um, Elise Kellen-Knight, who I thought had a great game, um, put through a wonderful through ball um, for Aquino who latched onto it, sort of nipped it around Riley Foster in the Wellington goal and then finished from the tightest of angles. Um, so tight that I think everyone was sort of in shock that the ball nestled in the back of the net. It was it was a wonderful finish. Um, and it just shows what can happen once players start getting a little bit of confidence. Um, so, yeah, great. Aquino's super equaliser. You love to see it. We do. And speaking of one player whose damn wall has kind of burst to another, my love to see it was Millie Farrow scoring a hat-trick for Perth Glory. I feel like the entire first chunk of this season, it's like as soon as Millie Farrow starts scoring, she is not going to stop scoring because she was just creating chances galore but could not finish. And unfortunately for uh, Melbourne City, this was the game where she decided, I know how to finish now and ended up with a hat-trick. It was sensational. I feel really bad, but I was giggling, especially for her third goal, so the third one in the hat-trick. Um, she's so much quicker than Carly Rossbucken, and she Rossbucken is giving chase forlornly. Like, I have never seen someone give chase <laughs> So forlornly since Brandon O'Neill in that uh, men's game, if you know, you know. But um, it was so good to see Millie Farrow finally kind of get the just reward for all of the chances she had created and actually take Perth to another level by virtue of finding the back of the net. So we absolutely love to see it. And you know what I loved about it as well was it was like bare minutes after that little confrontation where Rossback and, and Farrell went over the ball and Rossback and gave her like a little shove in the back. Yeah. And fortunately she was okay because it actually landed on where there's a bit of concrete in the play area. So probably something that they do need to fix up over at Preston. But, yeah, she's got shoved sort of a little bit. Uh, she'd also had a penalty shout, which was near us, me and friend of the pod, Joey, that she should have definitely got a pen. She got taken out by Letitia McKenna, but – or ball um uh and yeah could have easily scored earlier but yeah to get sort of shoved over get a bit of the physical treatment and then like literally two minutes later just to the same player go see ya See ya. <laughs> and rather the keeper for two goals as well yeah you love to see it it was so good Angela what did you love to see from this week aside from the obvious of loving to see Canberra Canberra scoreline finally getting a win but not we talked about yummy gold juice. Oh my god, five one over Brisbane, incredible stuff. Um, I love to see three of those goals coming from Vesna Milivojevic. Um, we've talked about her on the pod before. We know that she can score bangers. Um, she has like an excellent, you know, free kick on her. But this, um, 
the Hattie that she got this game, I think it highlighted like just the range that she has as a player. Um, and there was some, yeah, there was a really fun, like her third goal uh, was like this kind of, I don't know, she was just like, oh, Brisbane, you want to clutter the, the, the goal box as a defensive strategy? I will just go around all of you and score. But the thing that I loved most wasn't actually um, – something that she did for one of her goals. It was actually Stanich Flanagan's goal um, that was literally in the first minute of the second half. Um, Vesna was like heavily involved in making that goal happen. She won the ball back. She does this little twirl and she does back heel. She does a cheeky little back heel pass to Christopson who's out on the wing and it's that um, ball in from Christopson that uh, Stanich Flody was able to score off. But, yeah, the, the audaciousness of Milivojevic in that moment and just like, yeah, her work in bringing in her teammates as well. I, I just love to see it. And the back heel, the back heel is the, you love to see it. It was just very funny, very cheeky. And she, her celebrations as well, there was so much to love. Um, she had some real like, I guess, braggadocious um, celebrations after her goals, some real like, like really standing in her, her power stuff. So you love to see that as well. Um, but, yeah, we, we have to like kind of run from this into something a bit more shit. But, Marissa, I'll let you uh, deal with that less fun side of it. <laughs> Can we briefly? <laughs> Angela, fun and fun alone. <laughs> yeah, sorry, oh, I, don't, I don't want to. The big word you use, some of us are stupid. Can you say it again? Braggadocious. 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 Hang on. Let me see if it's actually. I was just going to run with six celebrations, but anyway. (laughs) No, Angela's like, get your Uh, thesaurus out, brother. We're going big today. Is that how you spell I can't actually spell it. So she's been good with all her celebrations as well, Milivojevic. Like every time I've seen her score, she's not just a point or a, a knee slide type. She does the dusting off the shoulders. She. Does the shushing hand to the ear? She did the. I, I love for the hat trick. She just did the straightforward arms out. This is me. How good am I? I've just scored a hat trick. One. I think Millie Farrow did that one um, mm. for her hat trick as well. But um, she proper player Milivojevic. Um, it was a shame. Like about about the while Angela looks up her dictionary. I'll carry on into the sad part of the story. Um, so in the seventy fourth minute, she scores the hat trick, and I was thinking, geez, we got to have Vesna Hour on the pod, just talking about how, unfortunately, Tilly's fans, she's not eligible for the Tillies because she's already a fully fledged international for Serbia. Um, I know she was part of the Junior Matilda setup, um, but then went uh, and played in Serbia. And when she was over there, she got the call up and has since played a lot of, I think, you know, World Cup qualifiers that sort of thing. I think she scored for them as well. Um, so unfortunately, won't be able to see a called up for the Tillies um, unless I'm, I'm missing something in FIFA's rules. Um, but she's a fantastic player. She leapfrogged Holly McNamara to the top of the Golden Boot. Um, eight goals for the season now. I think um, was clearly the form player in the league contender, surely for Julie Dolden and those sorts of things. And then what happens? Two minutes in, she's got two minutes after the hat trick. She's uh, contesting for a ball with Anish Shinori. Gets clipped, like just a classic sort of clipping when two players are going for the ball. Stumbles, and I think when she's stumbled, she's injured her left knee um, and gone straight down. And no confirmation as yet, but that was her day over. Um, 
that you obviously will fear the worst that it is the ACL. We hope it's not that because she's such a good player, such a wonderful player. We've already seen too many players uh, go down with ACLs this season. Um, but you'd have to think there will be concerns over that, the left knee, um, which would be a real shame because I feel like every time we're talking about who's the best player in the league, they go down with a season-ending injury or potential season-ending injury. So, um, yeah, thoughts with Vesna Milivojevic, who is a fantastic player, only 21, but I think plays beyond her years. She puts a lot of uh, the responsibility for Canberra's fortunes really on her shoulders. I think has really taken over from Michelle Heyman in that regard. Um, it's the player that makes them tick, a joy to watch. Um I think uh, Georgia on comms used the right word for it, right phrase, sorry, for her yesterday. She is box office. She is a player that you go and you pay tickets to watch play. Um, so, yeah, hopefully she is okay. If not, you'd have faith that she'll be back stronger next season um, and there'd be a lot of clubs regardless of the injury that would be clamouring to sign her. Um, but, yeah, hopefully it's not it's not the worst for, for Vesna, who has been just a joy to watch this season, even when Canberra has been struggling. Um, and, of course, she's the reason they got their first win of the season. It, she is a joyful player. Sorry. she mm-hmm. It's the best way to describe it. She's fun to watch. She is a joy to watch. So very gutted that we won't be seeing more of her. As personality. Yes. It's personality. She plays with personality. She gets fired Celebration up. We about the celebrations. Like... I like that she clearly takes some from the men's and women's game and just like, I'm going to do this one this time. I'm going to do this one this time. And it's like, yeah, I think when a player's high on confidence, you can tell when they're already thinking about what, you know, what celebrations they're going to be doing. So, yeah, hopefully she is okay because, uh, yeah, we love watching her play. Yeah, we, we wish her all the best. But you mentioned it there like she was very much the catalyst for Canberra getting their first win of the season. So, Angela, I ask you, unfortunately, as you're the uh, Canberra expert here, what does a potential Milivojevic-less Canberra look like? Can they actually, like, will this win continue to be the start of good form or is it a little bit of um no Vesna, no party? That's a that's a tough question. I do think it's going to be a little bit no Vesna, no party, just in the sense that the work that she does for Canberra, not in, just in terms of like scoring goals, but her work rate is immense and the way that she works alongside Michelle Heyman is like they're, they're very complementary to each other. Michelle Heyman actually got like one of the assists for Vesna on the weekend and it's just like there's no – like for like person even really coming off the bench for Canberra that's sort of near the level of what she provides for this team. Um, so, yeah, I in terms of like, again, like free, like they have her on free kicks and she's been able to do quite a lot with that as well, um, which is I think important when you're Canberra and you've had your backs to the wall for a lot of this season, just having that in your back pocket has been quite beneficial for them, even just being able to like kind of even out score lines so far. So yeah, I think it could like touching all the wood that the injury isn't, um, you know, too bad and that she's back out there soon. But I think if, she, if she's not, that it, it could have quite a big impact on how Canberra go, especially in terms of like, we've talked about, 
they can score goals. Like that's not really been the issue, but without Vesna, I don't know if that will continue. And then it's just like, what, what, what are they going to, what do they have? Um, because defending, I think, I think they have improved on the, on the defend, defend in front. And I think there are, there's a little bit more cohesion happening since the start of the season. Actually, definitely. Like they're looking a lot better than they did at the start of the season. But at the same time, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's enough to kind of tide them over and see them win more games moving forward. I hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope I'm just talking at my ass here, but um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Uh, it's, it's not looking good. Also, sorry, my brain just remembered that we've just had round seven, so we're a third of the way through the season instead of being halfway through the season. What a time to be alive. How bloody good. Um, but, yeah, obviously, big win for Canberra, sour note. Brisbane's still looking for that first win under new manager Alex Smith, and I'm sure they'll hope that this whole game was just an aberration and that they can kind of ride it off um, and move on to the next which is what we're going to do with our next game that we talk about, which is going to be Perth 3, Melbourne City 1. Harrow, you mentioned that you and friend of the pod, Joey, were down at Preston watching this game. Is it very much like Perth have thrown the gauntlet down? Like everyone keeps talking about City as title favourites. Time to start talking about us. We're here, we're scoring, and we're doing bloody good. Yeah, first of all, what a segue. Like, world class from you. Um she does it better than anyone, guys. Get around her. Um, yeah, I think they absolutely have. And we asked Alexa Parkas this after the match and basically said, you know, I'm a winner. The players are winners. We've been building towards this. We want to contend. You know, then had the usual caveats about we're not going to get ahead of ourselves, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, go for it. Get ahead of yourselves, I reckon. It's fun. Um, <clears throat> they were great. They were fantastic. And it was especially pleasing. One, away from home. Two, City took the lead. Anna Wilkinson scored the first goal in the 17th minute and City actually controlled a fair bit of the play um, before. The equaliser, I mentioned that they had a, a penalty shot as well, Perth. But, yeah, the Millie Farrow show was fantastic. But I feel like a lot of what they're doing is is built on um, players that have been there for a while that are um, just putting – like Farrow is almost like the icing on the cake player. She's that nine. She's fantastic. You can run your attack through her. Um, but they've got so many players that have just been reliable contributors that you can count on. You you look at, and Joey and I were talking about this at the game, like Tash Rigby and Liz Anton as your fullbacks. They're so reliable. You can count on them. Anton, I think, had two assists. Um, but you know what you're going to get every single game. You can hear them talking. You can hear, Rigby, you can just hear talking constantly. That leadership is fantastic. Um, they were really well set up defensively, um, really strong in that sense. City had some good chances, and I think they probably felt that Rihanna Policina's chance, I think just before half time, that was ruled offside, um, probably should have counted. Um, but at the other end, as I mentioned off the top, um, Perth definitely should have had a penalty when um, McKenna clipped um, clipped Farrow. But yeah, they're fantastic, um, and they've got just players that do a bit of everything. Like Hannah Lowry is so impressive. Um, uh, Sophia Sakalas um, didn't have her most prolific game yesterday, but is, is clearly just improving and looks like a, a senior footballer now. doesn't look like a, a junior that's filling in and getting minutes. They, they all look like proper starters. Fonson Camp, again, like not her most prolific game, but they just do the job and she gets away and she's really strong on the ball. I think that's the thing I've noticed with a lot of these Perth players. Um, Lowry's probably still got a bit of filling out too, but players like Fonson Camp and Sakalas and Lowry are all getting stronger. 
like the abilities there, but they're all holding their own. Um, and I think that's something that City have traditionally been quite good at is having players who are strong on the ball and they don't lose possession. Paul Cena is probably the best example of that. They don't get bowled over. Um, but yeah, Perth, fantastic. And they look so dangerous in attack. And that was, let's keep in mind, with um, with Grace Jale coming off the bench after international duty. I think you look at this whole game, though, with a little bit of a grain of salt in that both teams had to make changes off the back of the international break. Rebecca Stott was sick. And I think if you look at at least maybe two of the goals that Perth scored, where City get cut open, you go, if Stotty's out there, does that get through so easily? I think not. I think So you've got to have a little bit of grain of salt with some of this. I think they had to make six changes because obviously you had the young Matildas players that went away and came back, like a Galich, for example, and they came off the bench. Um, yeah, so they had to make, I think, about six changes in total. So it's hard to read too much in, in that sense. They had two players, I think, making starting debuts, that sort of thing. But you can only play who you're up against and you can only perform how you do on the day. And I thought Perth were fantastic. The goals were all well taken. Um, we just talked about Millie Farrow and how dangerous she was and the way they worked to break them down. They were fantastic. Um, they deserve credit. And, you know, as I said, like they've now leapfrogged City into top of the table and goal difference. And they are putting down their marker. And especially as the season wears on, it's going to be really interesting to see um, how teams go because it is a longer season and to see if you can maintain momentum. But I think with Perth, they've had a couple of little hiccups already, like the loss to Wellington. They've had to work their way through. They fought back for a draw against Melbourne Victory, those sorts of things. So, yeah, they've got every reason to believe that they can can go out and grab it, right? Uh, Harrow, you were at the game. I'm just curious, do you think the change in venue, like the last-minute change in venue, would have had any bearing on, like, City maybe being a bit out of sorts or do you think like at this level you just heads down, bums up, you just get on with it kind of thing? Maybe because um, they do train over at, at Casey and I think that was where they were originally planning to play the game. Yeah, I think it always has an impact. Like I don't think they would use it as an excuse or anything like that, but, you know, the conditions are a bit different or the way the pitch holds up or plays or whatever, you're just – the thing I noted to Joey as well is that a lot of the city girls live like on the southeast side of town now because they train out at Casey. So actually to go out to, to Reza, which is where Reservoir where Preston play, like you got to hop in the car probably for an hour and a half. So it is it is different in that sense, whereas Perth of all, you know, would have stayed in a hotel and then gone straight to the game. So I imagine there's a little bit of that in terms of just changing your routine. Um We've talked about it before with the men's where you have Western United and the men's go and play at Ballarat and you got to work out, do you stay overnight? Do you, you know, jump in the car for an hour and a half? Like these sorts of things can change your routine. Um, I don't know how much it actually has affected, but it was a belter of a place to watch football. Um, I, I really enjoyed watching it from there. Um, they're going to be in the, the national second division, national second tier, the men's team over at Preston. So that's going to be exciting to watch and great food, great food at the canteen. So Good atmosphere, good food. We like all these things. Um, for me, who's in the north side, I, I enjoyed getting out there. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure how many more we'll see of that. But it was a good little crowd as well. Um, credit to a very vocal group of City fans, active fans, that were making plenty of noise, which is a bit of a theme this weekend. The the Knicks fans as well were fantastic when we talk about that game. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it has a little bit of an impact. But, I mean, personally, I'd rather be going to games there than at Casey just for convenience's sake. But yeah, as for the players, maybe a little bit of an impact, but I don't think it would have been the biggest factor. 
I think I prefer to go to games most places over Casey, but like we don't need to get into my little <laughs> hater vibes there. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen anyone say positive things about watching football at Casey, so it's probably not just the convenience aspect as people who live in the north of Melbourne. But um, we did have a quick question that relates to this game just about Perth Glory and Rarely Right asked, how good will Perth be when they stop mucking around and play to their potential? And I suppose the like flip side of that question or that question remixed is, how much better can Perth Glory get? Because we know they had that um, undefeated streak to start the season. They seem to be doing well. Like, how much better can they actually get this season? I, a lot. I don't know. How do you quantify it? I think, I don't know. I, I think Harry kind of just spoke to that. But I think that there, there's definitely the capacity for them to just keep on going. And I think um, something that, they they feel like a very they're a strong team and um in terms of like we just discussed with like Canberra and what it means if Milivojevic isn't um able to play for them I don't see Perth having that kind of um the potential for them to have that kind of fallout from an injury to um just one player like there's obviously players and I think maybe that defined their season a little bit Last season, was it last season when Riley Baisden had quite an early injury and she was showing um, great form early on and that really seemed to, like, bring them back a bit? Um, not This is obviously me thinking quite pessimistically, but on the other side of that, I think there is so much, like, they've got so much strength across the pitch um, that they're, I think they can just keep growing. And the the players like Sakalis and Fonson Cam and um, Larry, like, the more... Uh, I think they must just be building in confidence with this kind of start. I think it's like, yeah, in terms of like the, a very strong start to the season as well. I feel, feel like it's kind of hard to come back from that in a negative way. But I don't know. Harry, what do you reckon? Oh, I still think they've got room to improve. Like um, they still need to crack in and make finals and then go on from there. Um, I think with a long season, I feel like Sydney FC is still coming from a little way back. Like they're still finding their feet. They're still finding their best form. No, I, I still think there's plenty of room for Perth to improve. Like um, in terms of just keeping on tightening up defensively, they did really well, yes, uh, this weekend um, against City. But they've shipped a couple, you know, against a, a victory in that. It's going to be hard as the season gets longer and as the the travel takes its toll and, yeah, I, I, but I think to be fair, they've they've made a really good account for themselves. As I said before, they've got some really good, experienced and, and mature heads in there, especially in defence. Morgan Aquino made some really big saves um, on the weekend as well. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about Perth. Um, it's, it is just, I think, as and Alex Park has alluded to it, it's it's not getting ahead of themselves. It's maintaining this current form. It's continuing to be dangerous and continuing to put chances away. I think. That's something that they've got that maybe you like. I think a, a Melbourne City, for example, or even a, even a victory um, yesterday against Wellington had chances that they really should have buried. If you've got an informed striker that's going to make the most of those chances, then you're going to pick up a whole lot more points. So, yeah, I, I think they've got every reason to believe they can stay in, in that upper echelon, but still plenty of room to improve. Like, they're going to be challenged. They're going to have teams like a, a Wellington who look to play through them or... 
um, which is, I, think, I think is what other teams should take heed from as well. And there's going to be times where the goals won't come so easy. So, yeah, there's still room to improve. And it is, I think the question is, can they maintain it? That's going to be the, the big thing for them and a Wellington as well. They have lots of young players is maintaining that form through to the end of the season. It's going to be a test for everyone because I think teams like a, a Sydney and a victory are able to look at the big picture and go, we know that if we hit our straps, we can be right in that upper echelon. We've got the players who are mature, who have runs on the board. But for teams like a, a Perth and a Wellington, and even to a lesser extent, a Melbourne City where you've got younger players, it's like getting through the grind and picking up points where you need to, which is something like a, a victory and a Sydney can do quite well, picking up points where you need to. And then you can sort of catch up a little bit. It's not like past seasons where you get off to a really hot start. Even last year with Western United, get off to a hot start and then it's um, a lot harder to get reeled in. Um, you can get reeled in this year. So it's going to be maintaining that that momentum. And, and uh, yeah, handling things like picking up points when you've had players away on international break is going to, is going to be um, crucial as well, which is what Perth have already done. Absolutely. And we saw, like, Sydney picking up points. They got the win against Newcastle. It was 1-0. It was Courtney Vine, which was really good to see her back. Um, Western United as well, they've kind of bounced back, got a very important win over Adelaide 3-1. And the Wanderers beat Central Coast 3-0, which was very impressive. Sophie Harding had an absolutely fantastic game, so we love to see that. But the final game we need to talk about today, you mentioned Wellington a fair bit there. It was their 2-2 draw with Melbourne victory. That first half had the potential, like it had dub classics so fun. all over it. So it was much fun. So good. Um, it was windy as heck over there. Like there was just a shot of the corner flag flapping about like nobody's business. It was hilarious. Um, but it was a really fun first half and a really interesting game. So who actually benefits from this 2 2 draw? Does anyone benefit from this? No, nah, I think it was one where you wanted to win to get your for Wellington. A win would have kept them what a point behind the the leaders' victory. A win would have obviously nudged them at least just above Wellington on points and kept them close. They're, they're both in the top four and you know reasonably comfortably at the moment. But I think when you heard um, Annalie Longo and Kayla Morrison speak post match, I think both of them were like, "Draw's pretty fair." Like, Victory were hanging on for dear life right at the end. But to be fair, they had so many more shots than Wellington. Um, There's a couple that went begging, the Rachel Lowe header at the start. Um, There's a little bit of controversy where when Wellington scored their first goal, the Kate Taylor one, was Speckmeyer out of bounds for the uh, for the header that teed it up. That was what all the Victory players seemed to think, that she'd gone out, the ball had gone out of play, and then she'd head it back in. It was like crazy, crazy uh, wind in Potoroa that really seemed to play a factor in that first half. And then I saw Kayla Morrison said after the game, she's like, yeah, we sort of played it really well um, going into the breeze in the first half. And then the wind died down in the second half. So they never got the advantage of having the wind at their backs. Um, whereas that was what Wellington had. Um, there, there was, yeah, it was so much fun. I mentioned the Okino goal. The um, There was like, just chances galore. I really enjoyed the midfield battle. I thought Zoe McMeekin at fullback for Wellington was awesome. And she was up against Mackenzie Warnett, who's been a, a good player. Um, and she got the better of her. And it felt like she just was, had the ball in a string. She just kept picking it up and going again and going again and going again. And it was it was really, really fun to watch. Um, it got fiery. There were some big challenges. I felt like 
it was one of those games where the ref let a lot go, so it did get more physical. Um, but I enjoyed the midfield battle, as I said, because you had like Elise Kellen Knight, who I thought it was one of the better games I've seen from her since she's come back from injury. She just like it felt like at times she had the ball on a string and she was making these little interceptions and playing. It was like a little bit of KK of old, and you know, Annalie Longo was, you know, just buzzing around and made some really nice plays as well for the Knicks. Um, yeah, they, it was it was just a really really enjoyable game. Like it was one where there were four goals, but neither goalkeeper had that much to do. If that makes sense, like Riley Foster. Sorry, Riley Foster made a few good saves, but Lydia Williams it never felt like had too much to do. But still, they conceded two goals. So it was um yeah, it was a really fun game. It's the sort of game I'd love to see in finals, and it was one where the wind, like the conditions, clearly like wreaked havoc on everything. Um, played into. I enjoyed watching Alana Murphy as well. I feel like she's just starting to get that little bit of like niggle and physicality into a into a game to another level that um it really suits. And yeah, the the Phoenix are, are so much fun. Um, when Elliot came on, she was really exciting. Um, Macy Fraser had a quieter game by her standards, but there was one she tried to hit a forty yard free kick when they were going with the wind. Like it was all just a a little bit ridiculous and like super fun. We don't really need to talk about after halftime because it sort of like died off. Interest-wise, there are a couple of nervy moments at the end. Both teams, well, Speckmeyer should have scored the winner in the 85th minute. She got one-on-one with Lydia Williams. Morrison had a bit of pressure, but she should have scored. She just blasted it over the bar. And then um, Foster made a, a save right at the end as well. But it was so much fun. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And there was one other really good chance that was, um, was, was it Kelly Brown who had that shot where she just – Leathered it off the post. It would have been like an absolute thunder bastard of a goal. And then it's bounced back in and, and main scored the tap in on the rebound. But yeah, fun. So much fun. I would love to see these two teams play each other in finals. Um, because yeah, the Phoenix always try and play the ball. Victory obviously um, seem to be a team that match up really well in terms of finding those little holes and like pockets of space that Wellington leave behind to exploit them going the other way. Now it was awesome. I, I would like much more of that football. The only thing I have to add, I'm I'm enjoying, I think Rankin had a really good game and I think we're kind of seeing what she can add in terms of going forward for Agreed. victory as well. Um, yeah, I think her and so her and Nash is like the wing backs. They've had a little bit of a quiet start to the season, but really good to see them finding their feet and Rankin had some um, good moments combining with Goad, but also, um, yeah, getting amongst it as well there's like a I don't think it was meant to it was like a, a pass across goal that was like really great I think in the second half um nothing came of it but still good to see and and yeah excited to see what she can do there and yeah and um, we've talked about it but Aquino scoring again I think that must be a huge confidence boost to get start getting that consistency so um positive thing for victory but yeah, it was a, a really, really fun game, really good football um, and, like, competitive, yeah, in the sense of, like, like Harry just talked about the, the kind of tactical side of it and not just kind of clanging into each other, even though there was a very funny moment um, when Murphy, like, cleaned up Elliot. Thankfully, no one got hurt. Like but it was shoulder. Um, part of, yeah, it was a big, like, Labrador tackle of sorts, just like... <laughs> Through a, um, so more to come from Alana Murphy in terms of uh, her her increasing physicality and involvement in games, but yeah, um, and 
Wellington, I think, along with Perth, are just like have been so fun to watch this season. So hopefully they can keep it up. I enjoyed seeing Alyssa Winham come back as well. I think she's not really been involved this season, but she provided a real spark off the bench, created some good chances, was, was yeah, super exciting. But um, for me, the other player that was amazing uh, from the opening was Beatty Goad. Um, I just reckon she's a top player when you know, she was unavailable, I think, for the trip to Perth with um, like some of her medical studies. But I think she's fantastic. She's one of the um, one of the best players in the league for mine. And, I still think is one of those players that when they're looking at wide options, like as depth for Matildas is still someone that should always be considered just because she offers something different. She's classy. She's smart. Um, her delivery on her left foot is fantastic. Like some of her corners are just awesome. Um, yeah, really, really smart and fun player. And I think makes her teammates around her look better because of the way she uses space and drifts into space and um, uses her speed at the right moments. But it's just yeah, such a a smart player. I, I really enjoy watching her play. Um, and, yeah, she was yeah probably victory's best again yesterday. I think Rachel Lowe left a couple of goals out there, and I think she probably knew that. She looked frustrated when she came to the bench, but she always looks dangerous making those long runs into the box. Um, so, yeah, it, it was yeah, just a fun game between two teams that play football that you enjoy watching. My favourite part, and this is just silly, um, after – Kayla Morrison heads the opener. Um, Riley Foster is literally standing in her goal, watching the ball hit the back of the net, and she still jumps to save it, even though all of this is occurring within the actual goal. So, like, she can't save it, but she jumps. And every time I've watched that, either live or on highlight, it just makes me giggle. So thank you for that one, Riley Foster. Um I had a good little chuckle every time I saw it. Um, But speaking of Wellington, we had a question from friend of the pod, Sophie Lawson, who wanted to know about how much air travel actually factors. And obviously Wellington and Perth are the two teams that um, are most affected by air travel because of how far away they are. And we got to see, I suppose, Wellington were at home, Perth were away, it didn't really hamper either of them results-wise. They got, you know, half-decent results. But in terms of air travel, how much is it a factor for these teams? And I suppose for maybe international listeners who are only aware of the largeness of the uh, Australian-New Zealand League and maybe um, haven't fully conceptualised how far it is for, you know, Perth to be visiting a Wellington or even a Brisbane or, like, anywhere on the East Coast and same deal then um, for Wellington coming east. How much of a factor is the air travel? Is it actually um, something that needs to be taken into consideration when we talk about the likes of Perth and Wellington? Because um, you'd think... They spend a lot of time in airports um, and a lot of time in the air. Does it actually have an effect on how they play games? It's always going to have some effect, right? Like especially when you do the the distance derby from Perth to Wellington, which must be like eight hours or something. Um, you'll see sometimes teams go a couple of days earlier just to prepare because it's like doing – it is well, it is literally an international trip, but it's like going to, to Asia for um, World Cup qualifiers or something. It's it's big – big trips and yeah it, it is always going to have an impact and the thing to remember as well is a lot of these players are coming off 
international duties as well. The young Matildas were in China. The football ferns were in Colombia. Um, the Matildas were in Canada. Like, there's those sorts of factors as well. So, yeah, no, travel definitely does have an impact, which is why, you know, that is partly why it is difficult for a team like a Perth or a Wellington to, to really sustain a good season because you're doing so many air miles, time away from home. And, like, let's not forget, a travel day is big. Like, so it's not just maybe going to be the four hours on the plane. It's going to be the time you spend getting to the airport. If you're Wellington, it's always the international airport as well. So you've got to be at the airport that bit earlier. Yeah, of course it's going to have an impact. Um, but it's just managing their way through it. And, yeah, of course it's, it means that it's a difficult trip to do to go to Perth. And you have the time differences as well. Um, Wellington's two hours ahead of the East Coast. And um, during the – as I think for almost all, if not all, of the A-League women's season, it's daylight savings here. And Perth doesn't have daylight savings. So they're three hours behind Victoria, so that would be five hours behind New Zealand. So you're um, – Angela's just like doing the maths in the corner here. So you've got things like that, like the dealing with time differences and those adjustments to your schedule as well. So all these things have an impact. Um, I don't know how much it evens out over the course of the year. I, I'd say you still end up, if you're Perth, it's more difficult than everyone else because you have to deal with adjustments more often. Like as much as teams are coming to you, they're coming to you once in the season, right? So if you're Melbourne Victory, you're dealing with maybe the Wellington trip once and the Perth trip once, but Perth are travelling every second week or Wellington are travelling every second week. So for those two teams, it is going to be the most difficult. Um, the other teams, it's, it's shorter trips. You're either up and down the East Coast. It, for, for Brisbane Roar, it can be quite difficult as well because obviously their trip to Perth or their trip to Adelaide or even to Melbourne, it's a, a two-hour flight so or to, to Wellington. So they've got a difficult one in terms of travel as well. The Eastern Seaboard is, is the easiest place to be because there's so many teams in, in Victoria and New South Wales. So for international listeners, I hope that helps a little bit. Um, in conclusion, if you're in those further away places, it's more difficult as much as you have a home advantage because you're travelling so much more often. I wonder, like, I imagine how you manage that must come into um, the the coaching conversations and and player management conversations as well um I I'm not a doctor I'm not going off anything here but I feel like even though it would absolutely have an impact like having a routine would be quite important in counteracting that and having stability um so I'm I assume that's looked at but also um how you travel I don't know if they travel like if Perth and Wellington travel in business class or if that's like kind of reserved for those longer trips because you know eight hours sitting without much you know leg room and um that's going to have a bigger impact in terms of like not just the fatigue but your body muscles again not a doctor I don't know but you know sitting in Everyone knows sitting in economy is far more uncomfortable than sitting in, well, you know, lying back in business class. So I don't know. Um, I, I wonder if that's a conversation that's probably behind the scenes a lot more, but in terms of, you know, increased professionalization, um, those kinds of asks, making sure that um, players have access to, you know, comfortable travel when they need it, because it is a, a lot of this is substantial travel times, as Harry said, like it's, to, you have to do a stopover if you want to go to Perth from Wellington, I believe. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I, it's given me the tired sleepy just hearing about it. So credit to them and good on them. 
as you guys said, it, it makes their start to the season even more impressive and the question really does then become can they sustain it because they are having to keep it up for a lot longer with the extended season as well. So um, it's it's an interesting one to kind of look at and think about and especially for yeah people who don't have a grasp on the largeness of Australia and then adding in the extra distance to New Zealand. So um, it's a good one and we'll wait and see how both the Knicks and Perth can kind of sustain it, hopefully, um, for the rest of the season. But let's move on to a boat. Um Quick boot was Marissa Vandermeer doing her ACL on international duty. We absolutely hate that. She's the sixth A-League women player to do her knee. Um, five of them have actually done it in the dub, um, and we really hope that Vesna Milivojevic is not added to that pile. But just the damned ACL, if I ever see you, I will fight you. Um, but, no, we really wish her a smooth and speedy recovery, so... Absolutely hate that. Big boot to the ACL, as always. Um, We also have a boot to Joey Barton. We don't need to get into the specifics of um, his gripes and tirades. Um, If you don't know what we're talking about, it's probably for the best. Don't worry, but don't ruin your own day by going and looking um, for what we're talking about because it's not worth it um the only thing i will say on it is uh gender is not a determinant a determiner of whether or not you're good at football or know stuff about football like it plays no role in your expertise uh hard work does passion does um having a love for the game and actually following through with that and learning about the game that's what makes you an expert that's what gets you to that level so do not let people like joey barton tell you that you cannot be in football because of who you are that's a load of crap um so big boot to him but there was a a how good to come out of all of that nonsense that he was spouting harry did you want to share that how good yeah, I think Emma Hayes, Chelsea boss, seemed to be US Women's National Team boss, got asked about it and she basically did a four-minute monologue talking about systemic misogyny and all the barriers and just hate and abuse and things that women are forced to deal with, women in football are forced to deal with and how someone like you know a Joey Barton could never understand that. It's well worth your time. So spare your, you know, save yourself four minutes that you would have done getting angry at Joey Barton's ridiculous tweets and go have a look at Emma Hayes um, talking about it because you'll learn a lot more or at least, yeah, you'll be a better use of your time. So Emma Hayes with a thoughtful, considered and just an accurate response to she didn't even need to do it. Let's be honest, she didn't need to engage, but she um, understood the benefit of just taking the conversation and pointing it in a more productive direction. Full kudos to Emma Hayes, who continues to impress. How good. How lucky we are to have people like her and people like Alex Scott, because obviously this is a very English kind of conversation, but just that these people continue to go into bat when they absolutely shouldn't have to. But, um, yeah, a very big how good. Do we have any other how goods? Because I've got a couple, if I may. Oh, yes. Go for your life. Um, 
So a friend of the pod, Paletti, tweeted about it. Uh, Newcastle had another record crowd at the number two sports ground. They had 3,842 people there. Obviously not the result that most of those people would have wanted, but 3,842 people. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's exactly the kind of number and growth we wanted to see in this first post-World Cup dub season. So the good people of Newey, Go you good things. I hope you keep rocking up and I hope obviously the Jets get some more wins for you to reward um, your showing up. But it looked like a beautiful day at number two sports ground. It's giving a similar vibe um, to, and sorry to bring footy into it, but a lot of uh, AFLW chat this season has been about how well the Sydney Swans have done in terms of turning their game days into an event, a place you actually want to be. And I'm getting the same kind of vibe from the Jets and what they're doing at number two sports ground. So how good a new record, long may they continue. I hope you get plenty more uh, people in for the remainder of the season. And just quickly, I was meant to do it. I wanted to mention it in the loves in the love to see it, but I did not. Um, But Christofferson's debut goal, very good. Her reaction to her debut goal, even better. So her little face lit up like it was the sun. She could have powered the entire country in terms of how much joy was just spouting out of her. Um, And it was very reminiscent of Alyssa Wynnum's debut goal where she's just like, I don't know what's happened, but I'm really excited and really happy about it. So um, to see that kind of joy on a player's face absolutely ruled. It was a massive, massive how good. Anyway, that is us done for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify and Google and all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, leave a review and subscribe so you get notified when new episodes drop. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see you.